This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, January 25th, 2022 on your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellams. On our show today, we share the airwaves with Buddy Shoot, Mark McGee, Buddy's guitar, Mark's harmonicas, and some brand new tunes. Acoustic Blues in our second half hour, recorded inside the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. And in about four minutes, Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports the Northwest Arkansas Workforce Development provides free career training for disadvantaged adults and youth. One day after the Arkansas Department of Health reported the first decline in COVID-19 hospitalizations in nearly a month, the number has increased dramatically. The ADH yesterday reported a net increase of 184 patients who have COVID-19, bringing the statewide total to 1,817. That's a new high during the entirety of the pandemic in Arkansas. There were 3,243 known new cases counted in the most recent 24 hours and 22 newly confirmed deaths from the virus. Active cases decreased by nearly 7,500. Benton County had 431 new cases in yesterday's report. Washington County, 202, the second and third highest totals in the state, respectively. Northwest Arkansas hospitals are now caring for more COVID-19 patients than at any other time in the past 22-plus months. The hospitals in Washington and Benton counties reported a large majority of COVID-19 patients needing hospital care are not vaccinated. From January 17th through the 21st, the number of COVID-19 hospitalizations in Northwest Arkansas grew by 26 percent. The Oklahoma State Department of Health counts nearly 7,800 new cases in its Monday report. The number of COVID-19 fatalities now numbers more than 13,000 people in Oklahoma. A rise in construction zone accidents over the past four years is triggering a new safety campaign by the Arkansas Department of Transportation. Spokesperson Ellen Coulter says two recent fatal accidents in construction zones emphasize the need for more precautions. So we've known that we wanted to launch a campaign early on in, in this year, and then with these two most recent um, RDOT employee deaths, it's become even more timely and more necessary for us to to get this going and to really raise awareness around the issues. According to Coulter, accidents and injuries in work zones have increased about 70 percent since 2018. The Arkansas State Police and Arkansas Highway Patrol are partners in the campaign and are expected to increase enforcement of speed limits and other safety measures in work zones. The campaign begins next week and will last through mid-April. The first U.S. Track and Field Cross-Country Coaches Association poll of the 2022 indoor track season places the University of Arkansas women's team in a familiar spot at the top. Arkansas, the defending national champions, has several athletes who have achieved top 10 marks so far this season, including two athletes with the best performances so far this year, Natasha Campbell in the pole vault, Shafiko Malone in the 800 meters. The next meet is the Razorback Invitational in Fayetteville beginning Friday. And the city of Bentonville is seeking applicants for the Public Art Advisory Committee. The board, appointed by the city council, serves in an advisory capacity to the mayor and city staff. Applicants must live inside the Bentonville city limits and must be registered to vote. More information can be found by following the links at BentonvilleAR.com.
Welcome to Tuesday. This is Ozarks at Large. The Workforce Division of the Northwest Arkansas Economic Development District provides free comprehensive career guidance and training to disadvantaged adults and youth across a nine-county region. As Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports, the federally funded agency is seeking qualified applicants. Patty Mathman is Workforce Administrative Director for the Northwest Arkansas Economic Development District, headquartered in Harrison. She oversees a staff of 17, which include career advisors across four offices, to implement the Workforce Innovation Opportunities Act Grants Program, funded by the U.S. Department of Labor. The program targets a specific demographic. They're adult, dislocated worker, and youth grants. Um, very specific on eligibility. Um, you have to have a barrier to employment. Um, examples would be a parenting youth, a single parent, uh, a single parent, low income, um, um, basic skills deficient, different things like that. So it is a, it is required that you become eligible or prove that you are eligible for our programs. Once proven eligible, staff provide comprehensive career enhancements. We can help with scholarships for training. So if we can prove the need, we can uh, help maybe with some rent or some gas or computers or internet. Now, that's not a given. It has to be proven. We have to show the need and scholarships for actual training. We do the work experience program where we actually get them a job. We work with employers. It's wonderful for our employers because they get a free employee. We pay them to work for six months or a certain period of time. They're able to get the experience they need, and then the employer gets the work done um, that they need. Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act grants facilitate on-the-job training as well. They become employees. Um, of the of the company, and then we are able to reimburse a certain percentage back to the company for the first little bit while they work, while they learn the job that they're trying to do. So it helps the employer not have all the expense while maybe that employee is not as productive as they, as they hopefully will become for that first little bit and gives them the opportunity to get them trained and um, give them the skills they need. I wanted to get more experience in being like having a job before I moved off to college this year. Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act grantee Remington McGuire is 17 and a senior at West Fork High School. She worked as a veterinarian tech at Smithers Animal Hospital in West Fork for five months last year, paid through the workforce program at no cost to the clinic. I helped make sure the clinic was clean and everything was going correctly. So I helped clean the kennels and I walked to the dogs and I monitored surgeries. And it was such a fun experience. I made friends. McGuire will be awarded a Workforce Development Certificate of Completion upon graduation, she says. I was super excited. I mean, at first I was nervous to see what it was like, but once I got there, I knew exact, that's exactly what I wanted to do. And it, it, they also helped me get into the college that I wanted to, and it was just amazing. Which college are you attending, please? Oklahoma State University in Stillwater.
Short practice in Northwest Arkansas, of course. Workforce Development also offers registered apprenticeships where candidates attend classes and obtain hands-on training in trades such as industrial electrical maintenance, IT systems, certified nursing assistants, and turf management. Patty Methvin says workforce development training staff collaborate with Arkansas State University, University of Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas Community College to set up distance learning, especially during the pandemic. The thought process was you're laid off from an industry for four weeks, you're home, you take a four-week class, you go back to work and say, hey, I've got this, this class, this certification or this credential of some sort. And maybe that helps you get a leg up once you go back to work. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, late last year, 4.5 million workers quit their jobs, 3% of the workforce, a trend referred to as the Great Resignation. As the pandemic drags into a third year, workers who are quitting cite inadequate pay, high child care costs and housing costs, and unsafe working conditions. Methvin says such workers can apply to workforce development to upskill or train for higher paying, more fulfilling jobs. Again, they have to qualify, you know, so they, they'd have to be low income or basic skills deficient or some of the other ways that um, they can show barriers to employment. So if they've just recently quit a good job, they might not be eligible. At, at, but let me say this. If you think you might be eligible or you want to see if you're eligible, please call our offices, 870-741-5404, and they can direct you to the office that you'll need. So if you're a participant living in Rogers, you'd need to talk to a career advisor in Rogers or if you were in Mountain Home. We cover nine counties. Methvin says upskilling is key. I uh, listened in to the Northwest Arkansas Council um, a conference call, a Zoom call with them. And they were talking about there's 10,545 job openings in, in the Northwest Arkansas area and how critical it is for businesses to understand that they have to have a good onboarding process because <clears throat> if people are onboarded properly, then they, they have some connection to the company and they'll stay. In 2019 and 2020, workforce development staff, Methvin says, helped 251 youth, 287 adults, 133 dislocated workers, 105 national emergency grantees who respond to emergency situations across the country, and over 500 apprenticeships, the program investing nearly $3 million over two years into Northwest Arkansas regional economy. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Just ahead, this week, the restaurant industry trade magazine QSR named Fayetteville-based Slim Chickens as the breakout brand of the year. We recently sat down with the president and CEO of the company, Tom Gordon, to ask him about building the enterprise. We call it two-minute retail because you got to be fast. In, in a fine dining setting, it's just a whole, whole different world. You can refill the drink and you get another wine and a coffee and there's, it's a, it's a, social thing that's not as time constrained. For us, we want to be have great food and be very fast and efficient. And look, we're not perfect every day, but we do a pretty good job. And I think that's why we've succeeded. That's in about two minutes on Ozarks at Large. KUAF is supported by TC Screen Printing and Apparel. 
and the Arkansas Shirt Club, offering a subscription-based monthly mail delivery of Arkansas-themed t-shirts celebrating the good people, outdoors, and places called home. Subscription information and more are available at ArkansasShirtClub.com. Walton Arts Center presents a conversation with Fran Lebowitz, moderated by KUAF's Kyle Cullums, Friday, February 4th. Fran Lebowitz, author, New Yorker, cultural satirist, is known for her humorous social commentary on American life. This conversation between Kyle and Fran is expected to extend beyond the page and into the unknown. WaltonArtsCenter.org or 443-5600 for tickets. There is some potentially good news about COVID-19 from researchers at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. A team at UAMS says it has found that while there can be dangerous, highly contagious variants like Delta and Omicron, there are limits to the virus's ability to mutate. Those limits should help researchers developing vaccines and drugs better slow or thwart spread. The UAMS findings are published in FEMS Microbiology Reviews. Thursday, the University of Arkansas, the U of A Multicultural Center, and the University of Arkansas Hillel Chapter will observe International Holocaust Remembrance Day. There will be a dedication event for the display of the pen used to sign into law legislation requiring the Holocaust be taught in all public schools in Arkansas, grades 5 through 12. A national report in 2020 ranked Arkansas students with the lowest knowledge in the country when it came to the Holocaust. Thursday's event will be at 2 in the Multicultural Center on the fourth floor of the Arkansas Union on the U of A campus. I'm Scott Tong. Vice President Kamala Harris recently reflected on her first year in office by praising healthcare workers during the pandemic. There is a lot about a crisis that really does reveal the heroes among us. And in that way, I feel very inspired. I think we all should. Yet her approval ratings are very low. How the VP is doing next time on Here and Now. Here and now, this afternoon at 1 on KUAF, and you can always listen to us by using the free KUAF app. This week, QSR Magazine, a national trade publication covering the restaurant industry, named Fayetteville-based Slim Chickens as the breakout brand of the year. The chain has locations in more than two dozen states and the United Kingdom and Kuwait. Recently, we met with Tom Gordon, the president and CEO of Slim Chickens, to ask him about creating an international restaurant enterprise. Our conversation, recorded at the Slim Chickens' home, took place the day he was going to speak as part of a series called The Hard Way, stories from the entrepreneurial trenches that took place at the Brewer Entrepreneurship Hub in Fayetteville. I asked Tom Gordon about some of the lessons learned in creating Slim Chickens and about learning from mistakes. I think you often with the mistakes we've made in the business as soon as you make the decision, like you, you know it right then. You're like, oops, kind of like, when, you know, you say something to somebody and you just want to just pull the words back. That's, that's often how it feels. But, you know, mistakes are, are, are the learning things that get you to the end and if you can just survive them. And, you know, we've, we've done, a, I think, a pretty good job at managing through some of the issues and problems and growth and the issues that, that any entrepreneur has. We've, we've had them all. But, you know, with a good partner, you know, Greg Smart's been a great partner, and with a good plan, we've been able to see our way through it. As you're growing, do things come up that you did not anticipate, or have you been pretty well at, like, eh, that might happen? There's always surprises. There's always curveballs. You know, you're dealing with people, and human nature is always surprising, I think. Um, But in terms of the larger plan, 
where we wanted to take the business, it, it's we've we've been sticking to our knitting pretty tight and and try, and working hard to get the organization where we always expected it it could go. What has been a surprise that has happened that you just had to to roll with and and work around? Oh, boy, I mean, I, the 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 list is long. Um, you know, the. The acumen of restaurant professionals in different brands is is very different. Like guys that and girls, people that do you know quick service and fast food mentality is very different from fine dining and casual dining. I when I started in this industry, I thought it'd be sort of homogenous and and similar. It's really not, and and we've we've learned that through our partnerships and franchising and we've figured out who really does well with our type of brand and, and some that don't do as well. Um, but we've, we've been very fortunate to, to really, I think, dig in deep and understand that, but it was very surprising that the disciplines are very different. Yeah. I think to an outsider that is a surprise, but of course it's different. I mean, probably every from the minutia of a franchise owner all the way up to the top. Correct. Uh, but it's more, about how you operate the business. You know, we, we call it two-minute retail because you got to be fast. In, in a fine dining setting, it's just a whole, whole different world. You can refill the drink and you get another wine and a coffee. And there's, it's, a, it's a social thing that's not as time-constrained. For us, we want to have great food and be very fast and efficient. And look, we're not perfect every day, but we do a pretty good job. And I think that's why we've succeeded. But it's just a different mindset and a different operating mindset for the business. The number of people that work for you, and, and I can't imagine what that's like. And what is it like to have so many different locations and trying to have everyone on the same page? It's difficult. But the way to attack that is we have to invest in people. You know, we have franchise area directors all over the country and they're responsible for different territories and they take care of the stores and they look after the team members that are in the stores and anything that the franchise owner might need, they are available to help that franchise owner. And when you look at our organization now, if you look at all the, all the people that work for the brand, I mean, it's well over 7,000 people and I am responsible for all of those people. And so I got to make good decisions from here in Northwest Arkansas and allow my team to take care of them all across the country and the world. You have to be a very good delegator. You have to be a good delegator. You have to trust your people. You have to believe in those that you bring in. And look, we're, we're very protective. We are slow when it comes to interviewing and hiring. We, we take our time and we've, we've lost people just because we're so methodical and slow, but it's built a family atmosphere inside this building and inside this brand and people are protective of it. I think people love it. Generally, I think the support center team here and the team in the field love what they do. They love what we are trying to do for our communities. And, you know, we, we want to make sure we deliver a great career path for all, all of our team members. Yeah. I, I've got to think, 7,000 people that you're responsible for, all of them, of course, won't stay forever. Some of them are in their first ever jobs. And you think about that, right? I, look, it's a, it's a gift to be able to give somebody the first job. I think it's great. 
I love going in and seeing, you know, younger folks in the restaurants working. I mean, I've got a million stories about that, but I'll just, I'll tell you one that's, that's kind of funny. I went into a restaurant once and I saw a young guy and he didn't have a t-shirt on. He didn't have a uniform on. And I asked him, I said, Hey, where's your, where's your shirt? He goes, it it had a big hole ripped in it. And I just had one yesterday was my first day. I said, okay, well, come out here to my car. I was wearing the T-shirt that particular day, and I had another shirt in my car. So I literally pulled the shirt off of my back, gave it to this young guy, got the other shirt out of my car. He went in and asked the general manager, who was that guy? So it was an interesting story, but I, you know, he didn't even know, but he followed me outside, which may not be a good thing. But I did give him a Slim Chickens T-shirt, and he took it and wore it, and I think he had a, you know, he had a, nice, a nice run with us. I, we have a lot of those stories, but I'm very proud that we can deliver first employment opportunities. And I'm super proud of those that stick with us and rise to the ranks. And we've got lots of those stories, too. How careful are you about your self-care? If you've got 7,000 people in many different franchises and you're thinking probably often, if not always, about how it's running, do you make sure that you take care of yourself? No. I mean... No, <laughs> we're, we're open seven days a week and, and we think about it every day. What helps, what helps me is knowing that I've got a great team and support center here. And so when I do go home and, you know, I put my phone down and as my wife asks me to do often and, and, you know, try to just get my head out of it, I, I believe in the team hundred percent. My partners take care of their parts of the business. Our team members take care of their parts of the business. And I don't, I don't worry nearly as much as I used to. Just that stores are open and running and taking care of guests. Do you remember your first job? Oh, yeah. My first job was pulling weeds at my church in the summertime. So I'd go out there in the summer with a pair of gloves and a white five-gallon bucket and pull all the weeds out of flower beds. But I'd do it in the early in the morning just because I wanted to earn the money and I didn't and I wanted to get it done before it got too hot. <laughs> but that was the first job I ever did for four dollars and then seventy-five cents an hour or something like that. Long ago. Finally, if you think back to that young man pulling weeds for his church, would he be kind of surprised at where you are now? Oh, I think for sure. I mean, everybody has a path that they take in their career. Mine was certainly a winding, unconventional path. And I, you know, I couldn't have told you I was going to do this when I was pulling weeds. But, you know, everything sort of adds to your experience library and informs some part of your thinking. And I, I think that job did too. It, it, I was a young 14-year-old guy and I but I still want to wake up early and go do it. And that sort of work ethic, I think, has stuck with me. And, you know, what I try to accomplish in any given day and how we try to work hard and, you know, how we don't give up and we make sure it happens. And that's how we all try to, I think, live and behave. We've had a great run here in northwest Arkansas. It's been a great place for us to build an organization. You know, we're all over the United States and, and have a lot of restaurants in the U.K. now. And. But being based right here has been been great, and you know, for everybody out there that we we bring in, it's it, it ends up being a wonderful place to live, and it's it's turned into a recruiting tool versus a hindrance, like some people have said it would be. But we're we're happy to be here. Um, 
the organization has been great. It's been a, been a dream come true for me. Okay, then now one last question about the UK. Yeah. Is there any, you know, the, there's the old uh, cliche that English is a common language that's spoken different ways mm-hmm. by British and Americans. Anything have to change in vocabulary? Not in vocabulary. The menu isn't quite the same. It's very similar, but like there's no okra. They don't know what okra is in the UK. Um, there's a funny story that, you know, we they were doing some sauce, dipping sauces. Many are the same, but they've got a couple of different, one of which is they call it a, a garlic parmesan. But we tested it before they opened up, and it, it was just like gross mayonnaise. And we said, you can't sell this. This is terrible. They said, let us try, and it's their number one seller. <laughs> so we just we, we trust our partners, and that was a good lesson for me. Like, okay, it's, it really works over there. It would not work here, I don't think. But um, their food quality is excellent. The, the stuff that's similar, ranch, kind of ranch, honey mustard, very similar over there. The tenders are great. Like, the food's great over there. And I think that's why I've been successful. Tom Gordon is the president and CEO of Fayetteville-based Slim Chickens, and he spoke with me at the company's home late last year. This week, QSR Magazine, a restaurant trade publication, named Slim Chickens as the breakout brand of the year. This is Ozarks at Large. This is Ozarks at Large. Last week, the campaign for Republican gubernatorial candidate Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced another successful fundraising quarter. The campaign long ago smashed previous records for money raised for an Arkansas candidate. This week, Roby Brock, with our partner Talk Business and Politics, as part of his weekly discussion with John Brummett, who is a political columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, asked Brummett about the Sanders campaign financial achievements. I don't know anything about what Sarah Sanders is up to. I can't get her to return my text. Uh, I will tell you this, though, uh, the, the, the finest political sentence of the year was this one I read the other day. Of Sanders' 87,000 donors, almost 11,000 are from Arkansas. Is that not funny on its face? Uh, the phrase <laughs> of Sanders' 87,000 donors, almost 11,000, meaning seven and eight aren't in Arkansas, meaning, in my view, many, most of those seven and eight are members of the National Trump Network. Uh, She says, uh, uh, this is clear evidence that the people of Arkansas are overwhelmingly for me and what I offer. And I sadly agree with that, but I think more to the point, more definitively, the Trump Network around the country wants her as the governor of Arkansas. People ought to be asking why. It may just be a reward for all the good work she did for Trump (laughs) in the White House. But you got to wonder if we have a, if we confront another insurrection, we have another Trump presidency uh, with some legal issues. Uh, you got to think that uh, this uh, this is an investment in Arkansas, as an, as I put it, an outpost for Trumpism. That's uh, I make of it that it's the, uh, here's what I make of it. I've covered politics too long, but I'm going to keep doing as long as somebody will let me. But I remember when Bill Clinton just got beaten up for any hint of national interest politically and for out-of-state influence politically. When he would take off during a campaign to go to a fundraiser in California, I would write a column that was widely praised for criticizing him for being all about national issues. Here, 30 years later, what is it, 30? Yeah, 30 years later, 
Uh, this campaign is not at all about Arkansas. This is seven-eighths about uh, national donors and national issues. Uh, what she do with her money? She can give a lot. I think she's going to spend a record amount, even though she doesn't need to. And she'll still have five, six, seven, eight million dollars left over. Under the law, as I understand it, she can give a lot of it to the Republican Party. She can give it to nonprofits. I don't think she can spend it on building a wall around Arkansas to keep the liberals out, which is what her campaign is all about. She'd have to have the taxpayers to do that. But and she could and she could apply it to, to some in, in some finessed way to a national profile. I don't know what she's going to do. Maybe you have more information on that than I, but all of those things are available to you. I will tell you, she is a juggernaut. She, I mean, if you're the new governor of Arkansas with the kind of vote she's going to get, which is 60-something percent, and you're sitting around with $7, 8000000 million just to do good deeds with for your party or for good causes, uh, look out. It will be, will be part Trumpville, part Sarahville. That's where we're going to be. All right. Lastly, the uh, we we learned last week, late last week, uh, Justice Karen Baker going to run for the Supreme Court again. We got three Supreme Court races coming up in uh, yeah. two. Uh, Gunner Delay is her challenger. We've got um, uh, Robin Wynn has got a challenger, and Chris Carnahan. I don't think that uh, Rhonda Wood has an opponent yet. But we're going to see Supreme Court races, and I predict we will see some of this dark money that we've been seeing uh, spent. What, what say you as to what Arkansas voters can be on the lookout for in terms of so Supreme Court races? Uh, be on the lookout for uh, national dark money to attack the opponents of the designated Republicans in these non-quote, forgive the air, forgive the, I hate that. Uh, in these nonpartisan, nominally nonpartisan uh, uh, Supreme Court races. Gunnar DeLay, he was one of the early flamethrowing Republicans, affable fella, but he's out there running uh, uh, he, uh, running to be a Republican justice to join the other Republican justices who are on the court already. Carnahan, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I misstate, he's a former executive director of the Republican Party, right? I do not and he's, Yeah. Okay. Okay, if, I'll correct that next week if uh, if I need to, which would join the, uh, the wife of the former chairman of the Republican Party on the Supreme Court. This is all a, a poor, poorly executed charade. It is a partisan Republican uh, takeover of, uh, of the Arkansas Supreme Court, or an attempt. And the dark money comes in to find something in the records of the opponents, such as Karen Baker. Uh, uh, something that she signed on to, some ruling the court has made, that can be exploited to make the... And Gunner's out here saying uh, the people of Arkansas don't want activist judges. Yes, they do. Uh, every case is an active judge, whether you're repealing Roe v. Wade or undercutting Roe v. Wade or declaring that the state is sovereign. Whatever it is, activism is not a, is not a, is not a philosophical exclusively philosophical left thing. Activism goes both ways. But it's a good, uh, it's, it's, it's Republican jargon. And that's what we got. And uh, I used to have some problems with Karen Baker, but I can't remember what they are now that Gunnar DeLay is running against her. But I'm sure the dark money will uh, remind me. I, I think that's what's, and it's, a, it's, it's, forgive me, it's just an utter disgrace. And we ought to have a, a system of gubernatorial nomination of Supreme Court justices uh, with some Senate uh, legislative confirmation. Uh, Gunnar DeLay run for, running for the Supreme Court 
based on a record of being num of being appointed by a Republican attorney general to to a prosecuting a Republican governor to a prosecutor's job, and then by Hutchinson to a judgeship. He's there by virtue of appointment, uh, but he and others, I'm sure, would oppose appointing Supreme Court justices but because of vacancies. Wouldn't, wouldn't the result be the same though if you had governors nominating Supreme Court justices that had to be approved by? Senate majority, and you've got Republican governors and Republican supermajorities in the legislature, the end result would be the same. And don't you think the Democrats would do the same thing if the political wins were in their favor? Yes, but it would be without the charade of an election, and uh, it would be more straight up. It would be, okay, uh, Asa Hutchinson or Governor Sanders, you really putting this person on the Supreme Court and 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 legislature? Do you do you agree to confirm? And and in about 230 years, when Democrats get back in power in Arkansas, yeah, they'll do the same sort of thing. But I think it's more direct. And if you could have some sort of screening system, I know people hate the bar association. People on the right do, but some way to review nominees and 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 grade them that would add some credence to it i believe i believe the the profession the bar uh, is better at uh, picking justices than people who are who are influenced only by what they are fed which tends to be these right wing dark money attack ads that misrepresent, misrepresent or exploit some rulings judges have made under the law. John Brummett is a political columnist with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and his work can be read at ArkansasOnline.com. He spoke with Roby Brock from our partner talk, Business and Politics. Much more from their conversation, including John Brummett's critique of the first year of the Biden presidency at TalkBusiness.net. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. Theater Squared presents The Mountaintop, a play which reimagines events the night before the assassination of the civil rights leader, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When a stranger arrives at the Lorraine Motel with surprising news, King is forced to confront his destiny and his legacy to his people on stage through February 13th, 777-7477 or theater2.org for tickets and information. Thank you for listening to KUAF, and thank you for tuning in to Ozarks at Large. Last week, Buddy Shute and Mark McGee were supposed to be in Memphis for the annual International Blues Challenge, representing the Fort Smith Riverfront Blues Society. Last week is now next May. The International Blues Challenge delayed for a few months in deference to COVID-19. So instead, Buddy and Mark came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to play songs from their new CD, Hard as Nails. Buddy Shoot Guitar and Mark McGee Harmonica playing the first song from the new CD, 
The song is called Leave in Louisiana. In a bit, we'll hear two full songs from their visit. Mark came in from his home around Elkins. Buddy drove over from his home near Kingston, both with their instruments and ready to play. I told them that watching them play that first song, I could see a remarkable comfort the two musicians have for each other's playing. Yeah, well, Mark's way over here, and I'm way over there, and we just kind of draw each other to the middle. So I think that's the coolest thing about a call and answer. One of my friends, when I first started playing with, with, him, with my friend years ago, he said, uh, don't play there, but let me know, let, let me know you, uh, let you know something. I said, I'm going to leave you plenty of holes. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I get to paint my own picture, you know. You know, I, I, I think what's great for those of us who aren't musicians is we don't know you're filling holes. Yeah. We just think that y'all are ready to do it the way you've done it, and, and it just sounds so seamless and, and the effortless. Speed, the speed has a lot to give you room to think about the whole song, the written song, you know. Well, that's, that's the beauty of music is there's no one way to do it. It's, it's like doing a radio show. We, you, I, you can you probably have a general idea when you get to the studio what you're going to do, but it's, it kind of takes care of itself once you get there. You know, it, it's it's kind of like making biscuits. You just kind of add a little more baking powder. If it gets too loose, you just add a little more thickener, you know, or something like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now... Originally, the two of you were going to be in Memphis for the International Blues Challenge. It was going to be, what, this month, next month? It was uh, supposed to be today. Today? Today. <laughs> well, Instead of Memphis, you're here, yes. Yeah, it, 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 it's, a, it's a very, very uh, important thing. It's uh, uh, for the, the Blues Foundation sponsors the International Blues Competition once a year, and it's international. Each blues society all over the globe uh, usually picks somebody to go to represent themselves in Memphis for the blues challenge, and that, that was and it goes on for like four or five days. So that was scheduled to be uh, this week, and of course uh, the the virus has kind of put a hold on that. But it's been rescheduled for May, so that's. Uh, which, nicer weather, and yeah, uh, everybody feel probably a lot more jolly rather than hustling around in the cold and having to have a coat on, and uh, just meeting uh, people from all over the world. That's it's just so exciting, and of course for me, for me, and it's, I, and, and it's all concentrated in one area right there on Beale Street. So I, I highly recommend it if anybody gets a chance to go. Uh, uh, do you know what you'll play when you're there in May? We have a time limit, okay. uh, 25 minutes or whatever, where we can do whatever we want, and we'll probably end up doing pretty much what's on this uh, CD, Hard as Nails, that uh, we're holding up one out of the microphone there. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. I, 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 I'd love for you to play another song here in a minute, but I'm just going to ask, Hard as Nails, why, why Hard as Nails for the title? <laughs> well, you know that we've heard that old saying. He's, just, you know, the rough on his kids. He's just hard as nails. You know, he won't listen or whatever. But I had an idea of uh, thinking back, uh, even in my grandpa's barn. You know, when you start driving a nail through a oak board, even if it's green, but even even that, you end up not driving the nail all the way through because it's such a hard board. Uh, 
but the, the nail gets bent over, <laughs> and after a while, you, you get tired of trying to straighten the nail up. I'm like, man, that, that wood's as hard as nails, you know? <laughs> so, so that, yeah, that's just kind of like, well, we don't act like a, a bunch of bikers saying, hey, boy, they're hard as nails. They don't smile or nothing. But it was like <laughs> people can relate to hard as nails. Like, I remember my dad telling me about that, you know, so... <laughs> And I, just, I couldn't come up with anything better, so that sounded really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you mind playing another song? Yeah, let's do yeah. another one. Yeah. <clears throat> what shall it be? Let's do, uh, how much?
how much can a poor boy take? How much can a poor boy take? How long before this poor heart breaks? How much, how much can a poor boy take? <laughs> That's great. Mark, you get a workout on that one. Well, I, I, you know, I, I had to go for a, to the, my checkup after I had a stint, I guess, a couple of years ago. And, and he, he said, well, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good, still playing harmonica. I said, I might just try to record one of my songs to which you know I don't have to do another stress test. <laughs> you can hear it. <laughs> but, <clears throat> this was recorded at Chris Studio. Four songs. You say each one of these is the first take? Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> yep, yep we, uh, we've been playing out quite a bit uh, up until lately. And uh, so we were fairly comfortable with the songs and just knew, kind of knew what... Yeah. It's a difference when, it, when playing in the band and uh, and you got the timings, is, is the drummers there, the bassist player, like, they're doing this all, you better be on time too, and then hearing and you get it's a it's a little bit of pressure when you like we were speaking earlier when we can sit around and look at each other and at practice but when you're on stage everybody's face to face the audience and we can't really key off each other but we better know what we're doing and there's a lot more freedom too you can make a mistake and nobody will know it so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people find the CD um, in his truck <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, it is available for downloading or whatever the correct sure. term is for I'm I'm, I'm I still I still have a cassette player on my truck so I mean I, uh, <laughs> uh, it's available uh, I have a website buddy shoot B-U-D-D-Y-S-H-U-T-E dot com. Buddy Shoot, songwriter, singer, and guitarist, along with Mark McGee Harmonica, inside the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio last week. And the CD, by the way, titled Hard as Nails, also available on streaming platforms like Spotify. During Mark and Buddy's visit last week, they also played one more song from the new CD. It's a song they recorded in one take for the disc that Buddy finished writing the night before the recording. It's called Someday Baby, Someday. One, two, one, two, three. Someday. 
far you stay You're gonna be sorry you done me wrong someday, baby, someday I give you all my loving and you do it way I give you all my loving and you do it way Now you're gonna be sorry you done me wrong someday, baby, someday Thanks to Buddy Shute and Mark McGee for coming by the Carver Center for Public Radio last week. You can find out more about Buddy Shute and keep track of live dates as they develop at BuddyShute.com. Mexico, known for its macho culture, has now become one of the world's leaders in gender political equality. It started with a very weak recommendation, and it took a lot of time to ratchet it up to where it is now. As Mexico's glass ceiling cracks, will parody translate to power? That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. All Things Considered, today from 3 to 6 on your public radio station, KUAF. You can listen to us at any time by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, the founders of Resilient Black Women, an organization dedicated to reimagining mental health access for the BIPOC community. And that passion just came from growing up in Northwest Arkansas as um, a black female. We did not have a lot of resources for us. Um, And so that passion came from I wanted a space for minority women to come and feel safe. That conversation on tomorrow's Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 on KUAF. 
and on your schedule with the Ozarks at Large podcast available through your preferred podcast source. The Momentary in Benville presents the regional premiere of Michael Gordon's Material, performed by New York-based percussion and piano quartet Yarnwire at The Momentary, Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th. Tickets and information are available at themomentary.org. This is KUAF 91.3, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Mansfield. Today's show was produced by Timothy Dennis. Contributors included Jacqueline Froelich. Our conversations between John Brummett, a political columnist for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Roby Brock from Talk Business and Politics, part of our continuing partnership with Talk Business and Politics. Additional content included in today's show provided by the news staff at KUAR, Public Radio for Little Rock and Central Arkansas. You can keep up with what nonprofit agencies and organizations are doing throughout our area with the Community Spotlight. Produced and hosted by Pete Hartman every weekday morning at 6.30 and 8.30 during Morning Edition on KUAF. And also, every weekday morning at 5.30 and 7.30, Daniel Carruth is in the Karen Taha News Studio delivering newscasts centered on our region. The Ozarks at Large webpage is maintained by Matthew Moore. The Ozarks at Large theme written and performed by Daryl Sean. We'll be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. for another brand new edition of Ozarks at Large. From the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks for being with us. Please have a great rest of your Tuesday.